everyone, and welcome to episode 6 of the Everyday Enthusiast podcast. I am Chris, your Everyday Enthusiast, and here is where I like to talk about some of the things that interested me the most over the last week. Uh, Now, before we get started, I just wanted to say that this podcast is available on most major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, Overcast, and many others. If you want to like, rate, and subscribe, it would be greatly appreciated. Uh, I can also be reached at everydayenthusiastpodcast at gmail.com. No dots, dashes, or spaces. Again, that's everydayenthusiastpodcast at gmail.com. All right, on with the show. So the next section here I am dubbing from this point forward the fun section, uh, which of course stands for follow-up, updates, and notes. F-U-N, fun. Um, I am a bit under the weather, so I do want to let you know that still. This is the same uh, the same under the weather from last week, so if there are any coughing fits, I will try to edit those out, and hopefully you don't even hear those. Uh, the first thing I wanted to follow up on was um, the Samsung One UI that we talked about last week. Uh, so the link I will uh, put in the show notes here is a YouTube uh, video that shows a little bit more clearly the um, the one UI uh, that we talked about. Um, this is from a video from Android Central. It gives a clearer view of, of what this UI will look like. And I think it looks really good. Um, I, you know, I have to, I have to make that statement here because, you know, I'm, I'm learning about I'm learning a lot about myself through this podcast, and when it comes to categorizing these topics, which I try to do here, um, you know, you see the things that you choose and the things that you talk about, and you start to see trends. And what I'm finding is that I am way more into design. I'm more of a design nerd than I thought. Uh, I love design, as it turns out. Um, and even more so like redesign, uh, specifically digital design. But when, when companies take things that we are familiar with already and they redesign them to look even better, be more simplistic, things like that, uh, I'm very much a fan of that. So uh, at any rate, um, you know, or, or just new ideas in general, right? Um, strangely, I don't really care for like paintings or traditional art all that much. I mean, I appreciate it and respect it, um, but I wouldn't spend a ton of money on it is all. Anyway, um, you know, I tend to love minimalistic, uh, a minimalistic approach to design as well as consistency, which is something that Apple has kind of struggled with in recent years. Uh, but that's a, a conversation for another time. They're getting better, right? But, uh, at any rate, um, and any redesign of anything uh, will make me sit up and take notice for the most part. So, uh, so we'll probably, or sorry, so you will probably see me talk a lot about design on this podcast. But at any rate, um, take a look at the video. It's another, you know, look at this new Samsung One UI that looks very nice, very simplistic, uh, kind of strips out a lot of the frills that uh, that they tried to do in the past. So. Um, The second thing I wanted to talk about here in the fun section is my thoughts on the new iPad as a primary computer. So a lot of people are talking about whether or not the new iPads can replace a laptop. And I have heard some say that maybe it's good enough for how computing will be done in the future and how kids 
you know, will not need any more function than what the iPad provides. But I had a thought as far as this goes. Um, so if kids only get an iPad and they can only do what is capable on the iPad, then they will not realize what can be done on a real computer. They won't be exposed to that. To that. And because of that, maybe some, maybe many, will not be inspired to do the things that require a real computer. Like, well, I mean, well, photography, but, you know, I mean, that requires a, a nice camera and everything like that. But, but you get the point, you know, photography, video editing, graphic design, or insert something else that I'm, I'm really not aware of that, you know, really requires that full computer experience or a full desktop experience. Now, maybe in time the iPad will be able to do some of these things. But in the meantime, you know, we could have a lull of potential kids that would have gone into one of those professions and, and been a superstar at it. Maybe they were, I don't know, I, I don't know my photographers or video editors, but, you know, they could be editing, the, you know, the next, you know, bout of, of Marvel movies or something like that. You know, they could have been superstars. Um, and maybe even changed those industries. And, and, you know, a lull of who knows how many years until Apple decides to unlock the actual power of the iPad, because Lord knows these things. Uh, you know, we know that the actual or hardware is magnitudes more powerful than Apple gives it the ability to be. So I have to digress here, and uh, if you have any thoughts, please don't hesitate to write in, okay? All right, um, so on to, um, on to the actual topics of today. So the first one I wanna talk about here is the Luna Display and using the iPad as a monitor for the Mac Mini. Okay, this warrants a small story, okay, I have to say. So, um, believe I had mentioned this in a previous episode that I will more than likely be in the market for a new computer in the next couple of years. Could be tomorrow. I mean, um, my laptop or my MacBook Pro uh, is a late 2013 MacBook Pro, you know, five years. I'm not saying it's on its last leg, it's, it's performing just fine, but five years, it's getting a little long in the tooth for, for a computer. Um, and, you know, for whatever reason, I got thinking about this, uh, it was last Tuesday night, and I started thinking about what my options were, all right? So uh, this obviously also got me thinking about how I get, you know, how I would get the most power for the money, uh, and the new Mac Mini came to mind. Now, the idea of using the iPad as a monitor for the Mac Mini popped into my mind, right? Um, and so I spent a, a little over an hour, probably an hour and a half, searching on YouTube and Google for signs of this possibility of you being able to do this. There were a couple of videos, but they were mostly old and using duet display, I think, was one option which I think is still an option, but it didn't seem to be all that elegant. And I think you have to use a, another monitor as a primary monitor and the duet display as a secondary monitor and you can get it working as a primary monitor, but at any rate. Um, and then literally, literally the very next day, I see this article. And for the next couple of days, I saw it in other places on other websites and whatnot, but it was seriously the, the next day. I mean, what are what are the chances? I mean, it's just so crazy. Um, so at any rate, 
Um, it is a physical dongle, a very small one, that either plugs into the display port or the USB-C port and transmits the Mac Mini desktop to the Luna Display app on the iPad. So you can use this as a touchscreen display for your Mac computer. Uh, and when you exit the app on the iPad, you're right back into the iOS environment. I love, love, love this idea. It's exactly what I was thinking about, what I was searching for the night before. Admittedly, it looks better on the new iPads, but you know, I, I have the iPad Pro 10.5, uh, which would work all the same. It would work just as, just as well. It wouldn't look as nice and fancy and everything, but I'm okay with that. Um, I would be able to upgrade to a Mac Mini that was much, much more power for the money uh, and, you know, future-proof this computer as much as possible. I don't use my computer for all that much, but, it, you know, I mean, it's still nice to get the most computer that you can for your money. So, anyway, uh, I would pull the trigger on this and do this now, but my computer, like I said, is working just fine. And, uh, you know, this is just an option for the future, I guess. Um, all right, on to the next topic here. So uh, Pocket Casts got a redesign. Uh, so the link I'm going to drop in the show notes is, a, uh, is an article on The Verge. Um, as we established in the follow-up section or the fun section, I have a soft spot for good digital design. And this is exactly what I'm talking about. So the popular podcast app, Pocket Casts has been completely redesigned, it's a complete overhaul, and it looks great. But there are a couple of issues that prevent me from using it uh, full-time as my full-time uh, podcast player. So there is a bug, I guess I'd call it a bug. Um, when, you, uh, when you have a video podcast that finishes and you have another video uh, podcast afterwards, like in your upcoming or your next next up or up next whatever they call it there um and it just goes right into that next one it just shows a black screen this happened to me twice and um, what you have to do is minimize the player and then bring it back up again and then you can see the video it's fine but it is a small bug it's not that big a deal but it is noteworthy i guess um so the first issue that i have that was kind of a bug and i have two issues i want to talk about so there is not a great way to build a playlist in Pocket Cast, or at least that I can find. You have to slide, you have to slide episodes to the right and then add them to up next. But this is not really a playlist. There's no way that I can tell, you know, what, you know, how to actually create a playlist and view it by itself. But maybe I'm just used to Overcast and I can't really figure it out. There used to be a way to do playlist in the previous version of the app yet you had to I think long press on the play button right like in the the episode and it, you'd then get the option to add it to a playlist it was still quite confusing and kind of hidden unless you knew it was there um, and I would venture to say that you would not be able to find this on your own if you didn't actually seek it out and go to the internet and research this on your on your own um, either way you slice it it's it's not all that intuitive uh, if it's there. You know, if, if this new version has a, an, uh, a podcast or a, sorry, a playlist function and I'm just missing it, I, you know, I've used a lot of podcast apps and I couldn't find it. So, and that's a problem. That's a problem. 
the second issue is is downloading an older episode of a podcast that you are already subscribed to. It is not easy. What you have to do is tap on the profile icon at the bottom, on your profile icon, tap the settings icon at the top, then tap playback, then tap default row action and change it to download. This allows you to see the download button next to the episode as opposed to the play button. Very, very convoluted, okay? Um, I can get that this is only an issue if you prefer to download your episodes as opposed to streaming them, which a lot of people I'm sure do. Um, But call me old school, I like to download the episodes before I listen. That way I don't have to worry about having a bad connection, anything like that. Um, All in all, I really like the redesign. I like the design, the aesthetic, the interface, uh, things like that. But um, it looks really, really good. You know, with all the controls accessible on one page, it just, I just don't think it's for me. And the fact that it supports video podcasts is actually the only reason that it's still on my phone. And I do keep it on there for that specific reason. Uh, In the end, this can't replace Overcast for me. Um, (laughs) But, you know, to each his own. It looks fantastic. It's a fantastic option for those of you that like the controls and features it offers and how it functions. That's great. Uh, I think what it boils down to is just your workflow and how you manage your podcast and your episodes. I know this isn't you know, this isn't going to work for me, but you know, you get the idea. Um, okay. The third topic I want to talk about is the HHKB and real force boards are for sale. So many of you might not know what any of that means. Okay. And I'm going to put three links in the show notes and check them all out. Um, so what we have here is more keyboard news. That's, you know, that's what I'm getting at here, um, that I want to share this week. Uh, everything discussed here is in reference to three links, uh, like I said, that I'll, I will include in the show notes. So you go there, check it all out. If, if I'm not explaining everything very well, it's all there. You can read it, okay? So the HHKB is a high-end keyboard uh, as well as the RealForce um, keyboard. It's a, another, another uh, high-end keyboard. And Fujitsu USA has announced that they will be the official U.S. distributors for HHKB and RealForce keyboards. HHKB, by the way, means happy hacking keyboard. It's a kind of a ridiculous name, but, um, you know, that's why people don't call it, call it happy hacking keyboard. It's the HHKB. Um, these are high-end boards, like I said, that use electrocapacitive switches and rubber domes to register the keystrokes. Um, now, um, these are called Topre switches. That's how you, that's how you say it. Topre. It's spelled T-O-P-R-E. Topre, and they are amazing. Now, I'm not going to go into all of what this means. Like I said, you can research this on your own. If you want to look into it, just Google it. You can literally spend days consuming info on the subject, um, and a lot longer than just that. I mean, you could spend weeks and months. Um, The news here is that it's now going to be easier to get them in the States. Before, for years and years, you had to use an importer from Japan. There were a couple on Amazon, but they were uh, often uh, in very low quantities, few and far between, um, 
or you could go through other sites like tigerimports.com or elitecubeboards.com, which is what I did for mine. Uh, my main day-to-day board is actually an HHKB, and I love it. I absolutely love it. They normally come with 45-gram domes, but I switched them out uh, with replacement domes from keyclack.com that are uh, heavier. I think they're 55-gram uh, domes. Uh, they're reproduction of, uh, they're called BKE domes. The BKE domes are from the original domes are from a Sony, it's like a machine that they used to use for editing video, like professional video editing, and they had these domes in there called BKE domes, or maybe the machine was called BKE, I don't know, anyway, I I I digress, Um, so now when I say high-end, I mean you really have to want one of these, they will be $241 for the lower end HHKB and moving on up from there. They have a silent version, which is just quieter keystrokes that is even more expensive than that. And the real force boards, I'm not really sure what those are going to start at. You can check it out. Um, now people will think you are crazy, <laughs> but I, I think about it this way, right? If part of your job, or maybe in others cases, all of your job is typing, then why is it crazy to spend so much money on something that provides magnitudes better of an experience. Anyway, I will stop there, but if you want to know more, you can email me or check out r slash mechanical keyboards on Reddit. You could just waste countless hours there. But the news I saw a day or so later was that they are refresh. There is a refresh coming to the real force boards in the next coming weeks into the HHKBs in the fall of next year. I could not be more excited for this news. I'm sure it will be modest updates because that's that's kind of the standard for these boards. But if nothing else, I want Cherry STEM support. This would give us the ability to use Cherry compatible keycaps on Tobre boards because they're not the same sliders. The the stems that you push the keycaps down onto are different. I will for sure be saving my money for a new HHKB. Hopefully, we get these STEM compatibility that I'm looking for. But I'm not holding my breath because they may do nothing. But I'm really, really, really hoping. Again, uh, I need to stop here because I could go on for hours and hours and hours, and this could end up being a three-hour pod uh, or episode. And I really don't don't want to do that. But uh, but seriously, if you want to chat more about this, please email me. We can connect over. I don't know, Instagram, Twitter, or just over email, whatever you like. I, I would talk about this for days. Um, the next topic I want to talk about here is a cheaper Raspberry Pi 3 model. Um, so this is this is great. Um, I don't think this has come up on the podcast previously. So I love the idea of the Raspberry Pi. And um, I have a Raspberry Pi 3 B plus model. Uh, as well as a Pi Zero. The Pi Zero is a very, very small, it's a lot smaller uh, computer. And when I say small, I mean it's like a it's like a USB drive that you would plug into your computer. And it is a fully functioning computer. It's kind of slow, but it's a fully functional computer. Um, the article here talks about a new version of the B-plus model called the A-plus that drops the price from $35 to $25, which is crazy. If you think about the price here, you're getting a fully functioning computer 
for $25. Even if you do the, the upgraded one, the $35 one, which was the current one, um, and you get a little bit more for that, right? So the new model uh, drops the ethernet port. So you lose the ethernet port. It does have Wi-Fi, so you don't have to worry about that, but it drops the ethernet port and it drops three of the USB 2.0 ports. So you just have one single USB port and you could hook up a, a USB hub so that you could plug in other peripherals and stuff like that. But, but you are dropping down to one, but still $25 as well as making it smaller. Like I said, it's actually a little bit smaller of a footprint and they'll make more cases for this thing and it'll be very, very cool, I'm sure, if you wanted to get one. Now, when I say I love the idea, I mean that I just don't know what to do with this thing, I, with the ones that I have. I have two and I just, I want to learn. I have done countless searches online and I have come across every option and just haven't seen anything that really wows me that I want to say, yes, I, I, I'm putting in the time. I want to do that. I mean, there are tons that do that do wow me, but most I'm just not capable of uh, of doing them with my skill set. They take a lot, a lot of coding or or electrical, you know, experience and knowledge and things like that. If nothing else, it's a very, very cool, tiny computer that you can look, look up to a monitor. You could take it uh, traveling with you. Um, uh, what I want to do, actually, the the one that I think that I can handle and what I want to do is I want to get an old portable TV, whether it's a, like a desktop, you know, it sits on your desk and it's a little, you know, I don't know, like a five inch or whatever, or you get those little handheld, those little cat, old Casio or something that are like two inch screens or something and build the computer into this little old portable. But Finding the time is always a struggle. That's that's what it comes down to. That's my main, main problem. Um, the last topic I wanted to talk about today is in the Apple Watch iPad case concept. Um, did I say iPad? I meant iPod. I don't know what I said there. The Apple Watch iPod case concept. So the link is to an article in 9to5Mac. Um, and this is a case that turns the Apple Watch Series 4 into a reimagining of the orig original iPod. You have to click through this link and, and go there and check out the, the, the uh, concept to see what I'm talking about. Or it's actually closer to the, the iPod Nano. If you ask me, it's kind of the same size of the iPad Nano, obviously a lot thicker. Um, this thing is, for lack of a better phrase, cute. Uh, and, and I don't mean to diminish it by saying that it's cute, but it's, it's cute. It's tiny. It's little. It's like the, the original iPod Nano. It was cute. It was small. Um, now I've talked before about my affinity for smaller sized gadgets, and this is right up my alley. This is so cool. In fact, uh, I typed these notes on an old iPhone 5 just for grins. So, you know, I mean... <laughs> I, I do like using smaller gadgets. I would love to get an iPhone SE, uh, but I'm not really, I'm not really in the market to be spending money that I don't really need to spend. Um, but to be fair, I, look, I wouldn't even get this if it was real, mainly because it's so impractical. I don't own the Apple Watch Series 4, and I'm not buying one. I'm not spending $400 just to throw it in a case and have an old uh, little iPod-looking thing. So. Of course, well, I mean, hey, look, that's not stopping me from considering the iPhone SE. I have been looking uh, looking all over 
let go and Craigslist and everything like that. I haven't pulled the trigger or anything, but, um, you know, I've still been kind of playing, toying with the idea. Um, if money was not an issue, you know, then uh, that would be a different story. I would be all over this thing. But anyway, I digress. All right. Well, folks, that is all for today. As uh, always, I can be reached at everydayenthusiastpodcast at gmail.com. No dots, dashes, or spaces. Again, that's everydayenthusiastpodcast at gmail.com. If you uh, can follow, or sorry, if you want to, you can follow along on Twitter. Username is at everyenthusiast. And on Instagram, at everydayenthusiastpodcast. There is nothing on Instagram yet. I am sorry. I apologize. I still don't know really what I want to use that for, but I wanted to get the handle, uh, if, if nothing else. Um, as I said before, this podcast is available on most major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, Overcast, and many others. Please like, rate, and subscribe. And until next time, stay enthusiastic.